Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about strong faith. This is lesson two. Uh, A quick review, Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. Let's look at those verses real quick. Romans 4. This is speaking of Abraham, who being not weak in faith, considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief will cause us to stagger at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. Everybody say strong faith. Giving glory to God and and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Last week we said that strong faith enabled him to receive the promises of God. So it takes strong faith to receive the things that God has promised. And God has promised us many things. And also he has purchased for us many things that belong to us. And it takes strong faith in order for us to experience those things. We said that strong faith is needed because there are giants in the promised land. Between every promise and its fulfillment is a wilderness. And in that wilderness is when we're attacked by the enemy to get us to do what? Abort our faith project. And so we've got to be strong. Why? Because these emotional things will come against us. Physical things will come against us. These giants in the land are not literal individuals. They are emotional situations that we encounter in life that will keep us out of our promised land or to weaken our faith or get us to abort our faith or waver in our faith so that we don't get the end result so we have to be aware of that number three Abraham didn't always have strong faith sometimes I think we're deceived into thinking that well he was Abraham that's why he was so strong in faith well no no not at all he was weak in faith from the very beginning because when he had the promise of God that he and his wife Sarah would have a child He laughed at that promise and said, how can someone my age have a child or her age have a child? Well, guess what? He weakened in his faith. He wavered in his faith. He didn't believe at that particular time. But because when he found out God was serious, he went from that weak faith to strong faith and received a miracle. But not only that, he got to the place where he could offer up Isaac on the mountain of sacrifice. And guess what? He did it in faith, believing that God had to raise him from the dead. That's pretty good faith, wouldn't you say? That's perfect faith. So faith can grow and faith can increase, we said. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, your faith groweth exceedingly. And how does our faith grow exceedingly? By feeding on the right diet of God's word and exercising our faith when we are challenged. We've got to remember that. It will never grow if we don't exercise our faith. You know, we've got a testimony, but a testimony comes from a test. We're all going to be tested. We're going to be challenged in the wilderness. And we've got to stand firm on the word of God. For the small things, so we can believe them for bigger things. Can you say amen? As we continue our study in Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verse 8, look at what it says. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find grace on the earth? Love on the earth? Peace on the earth? Joy on the earth? Didn't he say any of that? Is he coming again? Is he coming again soon? Is this coming imminent? What's he looking for when he comes? What's he looking for? How important is faith? Absolutely is very important. Paul said it's the word of faith that we preach. 
that Paul said the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith. We please God by faith. We're sanctified by faith. And we fight the good fight of faith. And the list goes on and on. We receive the promises by faith. So, in other words, he's coming and he wants to find faith in the hearts of people when he comes to this earth. You know, the Bible talks about different adjectives that he uses to describe faith. No faith, little faith, great faith, strong faith, shipwreck faith, faith unfeigned. I mean, the list goes on. It's endless. Weak in faith. But, you know, it also talks about how people depart from the faith. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, first three verses. People can and will depart from the faith before he comes. And keep, this fo- keep your focus on this. Now the Spirit speaks expressly. Who's speaking? The Holy Ghost. That in latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Make a departure from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Notice, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe, notice, and know the truth. Now, this departure from the faith, what's he talking about, a departure from the faith? Well, he kind of defines and outlines what what he's talking about. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So, what are they doing? Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Forbidding to marry, abstaining from meats, and it goes on. But listen, departing from the faith also includes these doctrines that are very deceptive. Satan instilling in the hearts and minds of people certain things that don't line up with the truth. Okay, he already listed some. Forbidding to marry. Any sect, any group that forbids to marry for any reason is wrong. They're listening to a doctrine of devils and they're departing from the faith. Faith can only be in the word of God. Faith can only be in what God has spoken and said. We don't originate our own faith. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Now from the very beginning of time when he made man, Adam and Eve, what did he say? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, leave your father, leave your mother. Have some dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, subdue everything and put it on your feet. So God established a family, husbands and wives, to come together to basically rule on the earth under him. So when people say that, you know, you, you, you shouldn't marry, or for whatever reason you shouldn't marry, unless it's of God, it's a false doctrine. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, doctrines of devils. When it comes to he authorizing our faith, you think you could agree with me on this one? God knows more about life than we do. God knows more about death than we do. God knows more about eternity than we do. God knows more about marriage than we do. So guess what? When two people get married, the only way they could be married and live married by faith is by getting into the Word of God and finding out what God's Word says about marriage. And when He says, who so finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor of the Lord, then guess what? You know what faith is? Honey, I found a good thing in you. When you get up in the morning and you look at her, honey, I found a good thing in you. You're a good thing. You're a great thing. You're a wonderful thing. Praise God. You're my blessing. Hallelujah. That's living by faith. When you all go off to work and you just say, that wife of mine, I'm telling you right now, that's departing from the faith. Listen, I worked in the mill. I know what they said. My ears were spinning. Some of these guys talking about their wives as if they were the devil himself. 
I'm telling you. But they go back home. How do you want me to do, babe? Mm. Ladies, I'm not going to let you off the hook either. If your man's not walking with God, guess what you've been told to do? Don't let it be your good looks on the outside because that's not going to do it. Let it be your good looks on the inside, 1 Peter 3 says. Let him see the adorning of your spirit as you serve God, love God, walk with God, and start saying, I thank God for my husband. I thank God for you. He put you in my life. Oh, you are such a blessing to me. Hallelujah. He may not be walking the line like he's supposed to, but I'm telling you, you're living by faith. You're walking by faith. You're not walking away or departing from the faith. You are living by faith. But you say, but you don't understand what she is and what she's like or what he is and what he's like. That doesn't matter. You walk by faith, not by sight. We're not walk, walking away or departing from the faith. I'm believing God. When it comes to children, he knows more about children. They're a heritage of the Lord, right? Blessed is the man that has his quiver full of them. And thank God, he says, train them up in the way they should go. When they grow, they, they won't depart from it. He knows more about rearing up children. When he tells us, do what? Teach them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you eat, when you rise, when you go down, when you go to sleep, all that. Teach them about the word of God, the things of God. Because he knows if you instill the principles of God's word in their hearts, then when they grow old, they will be with them forever. Praise God. And when they start to go astray, you won't be upset and going crazy about it. You'll just say, you've got no chance. Because the Holy Ghost is on you like a hound dog. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? That's walking by faith. He knows more about finances. He knows more about, immora about morality and immorality. You know when you depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, when you start living a life that's immoral, according to the laws of God, He's the life giver, He's the creator, He's the lawmaker. You departed from the faith. Well, you can go to church and still say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm born again, spirit filled. That's okay. But when you do things that don't line up with the word of God, you're departing from the faith. Are you listening? When you give your tithe and offering, you're doing it by faith because you believe God. He'll supply all your need. Whew, how do we get off on all that? Characteristics of no faith. So let's just look at a few things that characterize what faith is all about. No faith. Look at Mark's gospel chapter 4. Because there's no faith, little faith, great faith, strong faith, shipwreck faith, faith unfeigned. I mean, the list goes on and on. All the different kinds of faith mentioned in the Bible. When he had sent them, sent them away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beaten to the ship so that it was now full. And it was in the hinder part of the ship asleep. He was, that's where he was, on a pillow, sleep on a pillow. And they awake him and saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is that you have no, no faith? What kind of faith? Okay, notice that. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him or obey his faith? Okay, characteristic of no faith. Every time I preach on this, I did this on Friday in our healing class. It just blows me away. These are skilled sailors and fishermen. They know we're doomed. That's it. The boat's filling up with water. Being tossed and rocked by the wind, the waves of the sea. Jesus is sleeping on a pillow. How didn't that wake him up? Well, they say he was in a deep sleep. <laughs> wow. I've never been on a cruise. Have you been on a cruise in a storm? 
how did he not wake up? I mean, you're being tossed as well. Anyhow, characteristics of no faith. What are they? Number one, don't you care? Master, carest thou not that we perish? Carest thou not? Notice that first part. Don't you care? Are you going through something this morning? Are you facing a difficulty? A trial, a tribulation, a circumstance, adversity in your life, in your marriage, in your family, with your children, in your finances, in your health, or whatever it might be. You know, there's the tendency for every one of us when we face adversity to think in the back of our minds, if not the forefront of our minds, God, if you really cared, you'd do something about it. I'm going to tell off on my son, Andrew. Is that okay? When the Browns played their first game and they were losing, he said, if you really cared, God, (laughs) you're God and you could do anything. He said, you can make them win. You know, they did. They won that game and he was about. (laughs) So if the Browns can help, if God can help the Browns to win a game, you have no problems. Understand? The point is this. The natural tendency is to think, God, don't you care what I'm going through? Right? You, you, you got to care. Aren't you compassionate enough? Think about it. Look, this is a difficult time in my life. I'm going through all these ups and downs and these difficult situations. It seems like you don't care because I'm not hearing from you. Mark it down. That's no faith. Because look at 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. You know what he would respond to your statement? That right there. You haven't cast your care on me. If you want to experience my care, my compassion, my loving kindness, if you want to experience what I have to offer to you, then walk by faith and cast your care on me. How can I care for you if all you do is take the care for yourself, upon yourself, upon your own shoulders, and you're not equipped enough to handle it anyhow? All your emotions are tied up into it. And I can't even get to you if I try to get to you by my Holy Spirit. Because you're just so preoccupied with the problem. Are you seeing this? But when you just say, you know what, God, you're bigger than I am. Stronger than I am. Greater than I am. I'm going to cast this thing on you. You know why? Because I know you care for me. That's faith. That's faith. Look at the second part of no faith. Carest thou not that we perish We're going under. You don't care. We're going under. In other words, we are in a state of hopelessness. We can't see a way out. We see no solution to our problem. Look at the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 31. That's exactly the position that they were in. But the man that went up with him said, this is when they went to spy out the land. We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. Put that in our own situation. This difficulty, this thing is so difficult. I'm not able. There's no possible way. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a hopeless situation. So when a person says, God, you don't care. I'm going through a hopeless situation. I'm perishing. I'm going under. What kind of faith is that? None. No faith whatsoever. And why are we pointing this out? So that we can identify that. So we can recognize that. So that we can say to ourselves, whenever we hear ourselves saying, God, don't you care about my situation? Man, this is a hopeless... Wait a minute. Don't talk like that. Because that's... What is it? Uh Uh-huh. Now let's look at little faith in Matthew chapter 14. 
And let's begin reading at verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of. Now remember, Peter was in the first boat and Peter had what kind of faith then? No faith. What kind of faith does he have now? Little faith. So here we have a description of little faith. O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you are the Son of God. You're the Son of God. Wow. Okay, characteristics of little faith. Little faith steps out of the boat, acts on the word of God, and sets the miracle in motion. That's what it does. But because of the circumstances involved, there's the promise and there's the fulfillment, but the circumstances in the middle, the person wavers or weakens in faith. There's not enough strength. For example, you can say Abraham, when their child wasn't coming through Sarah in a time frame that was basically what he wanted, what did they do? Came up with plan B. Did they not? So would you call that strong faith at that point? No. No, he wavered, doubted along the way. God had to work with him and deal with him and convince him. At one point, he says, I'll make a covenant with you. When Abraham said to God, how do I know that you will keep your word and give me a child and bless me and etc. He said what? Put him to sleep, made a covenant of blood with him. He was working with him to help him grow his faith from that place of laughing at the promise to experiencing the promise. He made a blood covenant. There was the walk of blood, pronouncing the blessings and the curses. He said, now you know I'm faithful to do what I said I will do. Even though it may be impossible to you, it's going to happen. And then he said, look at the stars in the sky. Look at the sand along the seashore and all the dust particles that you can possibly see during the, in the sunlight. So shall thy seed be. He gave him a visual as well. So he went from laughing about having a child to believing that he would and they would. So little faith doubts when the circumstances come. And notice I listed some causes of wavering faith. But before I look at those causes, look at James chapter 1. Sometimes I think people think these aren't in the Bible. But they are in the Bible. If God really wanted me to have that, he'd give it to me. Well, wait a minute. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God doesn't withhold any good thing from anyone that walks uprightly before him. Every good and perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variables, neither shadow of turning. And he's already poured them out. If he gave his son, well, why wouldn't he give us all things? Can you say amen to all that? Okay. If any of you lack wisdom, let it ask of God who gives to all men liberty, liberally and upbraids not. And it shall be given to him. But, there's that but. But, let him ask, <clears throat> wavering, let him ask doubting. Let him ask what? In faith, nothing wavering. Why, Lord? Because he that wavers like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man even think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Notice 
a person shouldn't even think they can receive from God if they're wavering in their faith. You see, we get tagged and we get criticized for saying it takes strong faith to receive from God, even though that's what the Bible teaches. But someone says, I thought, I thought he was just talking about a little faith, a little mustard seed. Faith can remove a mountain. You forget the whole teaching. First of all, the seed is pure. There's no admixture of evil. There's no shell. There's nothing. Mustard seed is a pure seed. It's pure faith he's talking about. Put it into the ground. Guess what? It may be small. It doesn't stay small. It grows to a very big tree. He's talking about pure faith that's sown in the heart of a person that grows within his spirit and soul and absolutely takes over his life that he can believe God along the way of life's path. Can you see that? Besides, did Peter's little faith make it all the way to consummate the miracle? Not a trick question. It didn't, did it? He didn't make it back to the boat, did he? Did he start the miracle? Did he get the end result on his own? No, but did Jesus bail him out? Aren't you glad to know that Jesus will bail you out and bail me out along the way if our faith is not exactly up to par? And that he'll help us, take us, walk us through like a child. Okay, son, you did good. You got halfway out here. But you know what? You saw those waves, those white caps there. And you felt the wind blowing a little bit harder. And then you began to sink. But that's okay. I'm here to help you. I really admire what you did. But next time, we're going to take it to another level. You would have thought he would have said great faith. But no, he said no little faith. And he didn't get the job done. So look at some of these things. We receive from God by faith. All that God has given must be received. Notice, have you received Jesus? We don't say, has God given you Jesus? Have you received the Holy Ghost? We don't say, has God given you the Holy Ghost? You need wisdom? Ask of God and receive it by asking in faith. So notice the connection of faith and receiving from God. It's not God withholding. It's our receiving by faith. Number one, reasoning will help, cause us to, to really waver in our faith. Reasoning along the way. And that's exactly what Peter did. He began to reason. But let's look at this number one. Luke 6.38. Reasoning. If I give. Go, given it shall be given to you. Good measure pressed down. Shaken together. Running over shall men. Given to your bosom. For with the same measure you meet with all shall be measured to you again. How in the world can I giving away things get more things? If I, anybody here want mercy? You want more mercy? Give mercy. You'll get more mercy. You want love? Give it out. You'll get some back. You'll get more back. You give financially, you'll get, you'll receive back. God will cause men to give into your bosom. Good measure, press down. But see, reason says, no, if I want more, I have to hoard it. Did you ever see that show where they showed hoarders? Oh my goodness. don't hoard it give it give it and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over but people reason and they just say no i gotta save it i gotta save it i gotta save it i gotta save it well easy concept you got a tomato with seeds in it you can eat the seed tomato in the seeds and that's it or you can plant the whole thing if you plant it all what are you going to get more so give and it shall be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over you ever see them at the theater when they put popcorn in your bag pack it down buddy pack it down pack it down (laughs) press down shaking together running over don't just fill that thing up loosely 
Oh, boy. Number two, feelings. Feelings that we all have of inadequacy. Feelings of unworthiness. Feelings of fear. And they are genuine. Those are real feelings. So the moment you released your faith, you were on fire. Glory to God. And the devil knows not to touch you at that moment because he'll get burnt. But then maybe an hour goes by and you're sitting there with your own feelings and emotions. And what happens? You kind of lose that gusto. Job 3.25. People talk about Job, but they don't really understand the whole under, the story of Job, which is a redemption story. But notice this. Is it something people can quote all the negativity when it comes to something like him? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. No, he didn't. The devil took it. But didn't Job say that? It's true he said that, but Job was wrong. Job didn't read the first chapter of his own book. If he would have read it, he would have known the devil came to steal it. Right? Would he have known that? Right. He figured things out along the way. Too much to get into about Job right now. But anyhow, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. You realize what happened to Job was his fear opened up the door to the work of the enemy. And when he opened up that door, the enemy came in and stole all that he had. He makes it very clear it's because of my fear. Fear is a destructive force. If we're afraid to get up in the morning because of what we're going to face, what we're going to see, I'll tell you what, the devil will wreak havoc with your life. It'll cause you to waver when it comes to serving God, walking with God, whether it's in your marriage, with your children, and your family. Fear is debilitating. But you know what? I got some good news for you, all of us here today. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, sound mind. Hallelujah. Fear is a spirit that can't touch this. Amen. Cannot touch us. It has no power of us, over us. But of power in the name of Jesus to rebuke it. Love casts out all fear in a sound mind. Well-disciplined mind. Trained to know and understand that it may be a genuine feeling. But I don't have to live by it. You want to know what walking by faith is when it, with regard to fear? Isaiah 41.10. Fear not. I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you, uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So when feelings of fear come, walking by faith says what? Oh, I'm not going to fear. I'm tempted to, but I'm not going to fear. See, the temptation in the wilderness is to get us in fear. Why? To abort the faith project. To stop it. Get people to stop walking with God. They feel insecure. They feel inadequate. You have those feelings, just, just know this. That's the enemy trying to get you to waver in your faith. That God doesn't see me as valuable. God doesn't see me as, as precious. And, and my life is worth nothing. Don't buy the lie of the enemy. You are a masterpiece in the sight of the living God. You are so valuable. He sent his son to die for you and take your place. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that you could be a child of Almighty God. Don't buy the lie and waver in your faith of believing you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's got an eternal place with you in glory. A beautiful home that you're going to live in throughout eternity. Praise God. And you're going to celebrate with Him and rule and reign with Him. I'll tell you what, you get shouting when you talk like that. The next thing is not seeing God at work. When a person doesn't see that God's at work in my situation, uh, it's like this. You see that seed you planted to the ground? Once you planted it, you can't see it. Is it at work? Have certain laws been set in motion? 
And so when you're standing out there and you're wherever you're standing in your yard, your garden, whatever, and you got some water going on, just dirt, and your next door neighbor comes over and says, what are you doing? I'm watering my plants. What? All I see is dirt. Yeah, but I put some seed in the ground. Well, what's, so? Is something happening under the ground, even though you can't see it? When Jesus cursed a fig tree, something was set in motion that they could not see. Jesus knew the law of faith went into motion when he cursed that fig tree and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He knew that. It was working even though they didn't see it. And finally when they got to see it, what did they say? Oh, master, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. <laughs> you think that Jesus would say, Goody, goody, glory to go look them. You think he'd get excited about a victory? What did he do? He said, have the faith of God. He didn't even address the tree. Have faith of God. You speak to that mountain right there and command it to go. It's going to obey you and nothing will be impossible to you. Isn't that what he said? He drew, he drew their attention to what? The faith that they could have in their heart as well. Start saying some things. Start speaking to your mountain is what he's saying. God's at work the moment you and I start speaking. We stop speaking. We stop the work of God. That's wavering. That's getting in doubt and unbelief. So it's important we understand we've got a part to play in, in using our faith to receive from God. Next one. Uh, listening to bad advice. <clears throat> hmm. Okay, Abraham. Sarah says, I got a plan for you. Uh, what's that, honey? Since it seems like as though I'm not having a child, and God said we're going to have a child, I have a concubine. Her name's Hagar. I counsel you to have a child with her. He said, wow. When do you want me to start, honey? <laughs> uh, bad advice. One work of the flesh gave birth to what this world is going through right now. Would you not agree with me? Hmm? Absolutely. Right? Bad advice. Wrong counsel, Sarah. And when they did this and God still said, you're going to have a child. He said, oh, would to God that Ishmael would be the one Ishmael. God said, I told you no. And finally he started to believe it. You see, he didn't start strong in faith, did he? Mm -mm. Listening, next one is listening to the devil himself. Think about it. Eve, did God really say that if you eat that fruit that you would, what was that again, die? Oh, oh, he knows better than that. You know, he's kind of stingy. He's just kind of holding things back. He knows that the moment you, there's something that you're going to have if you partake of that that you've not experienced ever before. And all the beauty of this garden and all that you have and all the glory that you possess, there's something even more. So look at that tree. See, she was believing what God said. She was believing God's word before. But all of a sudden now, you see, she's beginning to think differently, isn't she? She's thinking, is he holding back? Now she's wavering in her what? Faith. God said, don't touch it lest you die. Don't do it. Living by faith would have been like this. Look, devil, God told me not to touch it. I'm not touching it. You can say all you want to say. You can make me think what you want me to think. 
As a matter of fact, I know that you fell because you thought you could overthrow God by using your faith, but you found out that your faith is not compared to God's faith. And so even though you may know the laws of faith, you said, I will exalt my throne, I will exalt, I will exalt, I will exalt myself and all that. You guess what? You failed. You were wrong. You can't do it. He aborted his faith because he bought his own lie. And so when it comes to listening to the devil, don't listen to the devil to tell you that your faith isn't working. Or if he's telling you to do something derogatory as far as his word is concerned. You know, in your life, in your marriage, in your family, etc., etc. And then listen also focusing on the circumstances will weaken our faith and cause a person to waver in their faith. And you know, circumstances are real. We've never said don't, uh, let's say, vocalize your circumstances or, or we never said to deny your circumstances. I've never taught deny your circumstances. We never said that. There's something bigger and beyond your circumstances. Jesus, said that, Jesus didn't say the fig tree didn't exist. He spoke with authority. Did you notice in that one section of scripture when he said, peace be still to the storm? Did you notice that? Can you imagine if everybody's on that boat? Let's call together and get a prayer meeting going. You know, we're just all going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to petition God. We're going to, let's say, you start there, uh, Brother Joe. And just give me this big, long, elaborate prayer. God, you made the heavens. God, you made the earth. You made the sea and all that in the midst. You said you'd never flood the place ever again. There's a bow in the sky that says to Noah. But from Noah and, you, and, and you're God and you're my. Jesus says, peace, be still. That's someone who believes in his words. Let this sink into all of our ears. Mine too. What's the problem here? Cancer. Okay. Cancer, die in the name of Jesus. If we believe in our words, aren't you going to win this big, long, elaborate prayer? Jesus never did. How about when he spoke to de devils and demons? Come out. They came out. See, faith is all about us believing in our words from our heart. That what we say with our mouth from our heart will come to pass. And Jesus said, can you throw up Matthew 17, 20? Matthew 17, 20, he makes it very clear to us that this is how things are made possible to all of us. All things are made possible and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith in the great must, you shall say this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and, and, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, wait a minute. Let's put that whole thing in context. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say, isn't that what he said? To the problem, say to the mountain, be removed hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How is it that nothing's impossible? If we believe that what we say has power. If we believe that what we say has authority. What did the Roman centurion say? I said to that man, go, and he goes. I said to this one, come, and he comes. I said to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
I believe in commands. I believe that when the word is spoken, someone obeys. See, that's how faith really works. But you know what? We've been, we, people want to major in history. What did they wear back in those days? How about those women had long hair? And what about, you know, they sit and they didn't, they, they sit on what side? I wonder what side of the synagogue that they sat on that they couldn't talk to one another. They had to ask their husbands at home. A lot of interesting facts in the Bible. But there's only one thing that's going to make a difference in your life. The just shall live by faith. And if you had faith, you would say to that mountain, say it. What's the mountain? Whatever it is, whatever the problem is, remove hence to yonder place in the name of Jesus. And it would remove. And nothing would be impossible to you. Wow. That was a long way to get to strong faith. You ready for it real quick? We'll just throw it real quick. Our main text, it's from our main text. We don't have to put it up. Just look at number one. Number one. These are the characteristics of strong faith. It's not moved by finite limitations. But you don't understand, Lord. Our bodies are too old to have a baby. Was God moved by that? <laughs> Can you see God falling to his knees and saying, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? I didn't know that Abraham, Sarah, how old did you say Sarah was? She beyond the age of childbearing? Whew, I better go to a plan B. Is somebody younger out there? God wasn't moved by a finite limitation, was he? And what about you, Mary? You're going to conceive in your womb and have the Son of God. But Lord, I don't know a man. Oh, that's not an issue. Wow, it's a finite limitation. Does that matter with God? Not at all. And what about this? We're so hungry this morning. Oh, Lord, we're so hungry this morning. What have we got? What have we got? Oh, Chuck has a meatball. And Ruth has a loaf of bread. And that's all we got. But look how many people we have to feed here today. That's a finite limitation. And what does God say? What does Jesus say? Thank you. And there's 100 meatballs, 200 meatballs. And there's baskets of meatballs left over and bread. Gee, you know how easy it is for us to be limited? Because we limit God because we look at it and view it as being impossible. Number two, characteristics of strong faith. We're not moved by limitations. We refuse to waver or doubt. Strong faith refuses to waver or doubt. Okay, gentlemen, you don't bend, you don't bow, then you're going to burn. I'm going to throw you to a burning fire furnace. My men told you to bend and bow. These people told you to bend and bow. Now, I'm the king, and where the word of the king is, there is power, there is authority. And if you don't bend and bow your knee to my image, you will burn in a fire furnace. O king... No big deal. Because he went on to say, and who's the God that will deliver you out of my hand? We told your men we're not bending and bowing. We told these others we're not bending and bowing. And we're telling you we're not bending and we're not bowing. You know why, king? Because the God that we serve can and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And he got fired up. And fired up the furnace even more. And threw them in. They didn't bend. 
They didn't bow. And guess what? They were fireproof. They couldn't burn. Did they waver because the pressure was put on them? Absolutely not. They didn't waver. So the pressure is going to come. But we have to choose to refuse to waver and doubt. Because that's strong faith. And then what about, let's just go to the Sovereignation woman for sake of time. I love this woman. She is told by the disciples, you know, you're bothering us. She goes to Jesus to get some help that she's so longing for. And Jesus hits her square between the eyes. This is not someone else. This is Jesus. And says to her, woman, I'm not sent but to the lost house of the sheep of the lost house of Israel. And it's not proper, fitting, or right for me to give the children's bread to a dog like you. Pretty harsh, wouldn't you say? Most puppies would be running off with a tail between their legs and just taking off and going home. Right? You talk about a tendency to waver at that moment. What does is, what is this woman say? Oh, yeah, that's true. But didn't you know the dogs can eat the crumbs? Whew. He uses her, his own words to solidify her faith and her stand. And Jesus says to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you as you will. Sometimes we got to go to God that same way. He said, Come now together. Let us reason together. saith the Lord. Reason together with the Lord. So, Lord, you said this, but I know they're saying that. You said this. My body says that, but you're saying this. You know what, Lord? Strong faith says this is the way it has to be. You said it in your word. I am not going to waver. I am not going to faint, give up, lose heart. You said it. It has to be done. The next one gives glory to God before seeing results. Think about Paul and Silas. They gave glory to God before seeing results. Abraham and Sarah gave glory to God before seeing results. Finally, they got to the place of faith and they started just thanking God, calling each other father and mother of many nations. But Paul and Silas, they're praising and, and, and thanking God before they ever saw a result. That's called strong faith. But now let's face it. I'm a guy. I can speak for men. We're just wimps when it comes to facing certain things like oh I just don't feel well you know my nose is running got this sinus thing going on honey honey bring me this honey bring me that honey do this for me honey do that for me oh you know women go I have babies (laughs) get up and get your own thing get your own cup of tea where's your compassion where was your compassion in the birthing room Oh, honey, I feel so bad what you're going through. Mm, yeah, right, right. You can, you can empathize, right? You cannot empathize with what a woman goes through in childbearing. Have you lost your mind? Can't happen. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> oh, well. Paul and Silas are praising and thanking God. You know, we, we, could, we could weaken. I believe in God. Yeah. Hold fast your confession of faith without wavering, we are told. Declare it. Praise God. Don't waver in your faith. Believe that God heard you. Believe that you have it. Believe that God is working in the unseen realm and he'll bring it to pass. Okay. Paul and Silas did it. Jehoshaphat did it when the armies were coming. Remember that. But look at number four, the next one. Also, 
it gives, he gives glory to God before seeing the results and then is fully persuaded that what God said he's able also to perform because what he said that he's able to perform guess what doesn't register with the natural brain hey can an axe head swim iron uh-uh Mm-mm. throw in the lines then that's okay they won't eat me I've got an angel to protect me Think about all the things that are unreasonable. He is persuaded that what God said he can do, even though they're a hundred years old, it doesn't matter how old you are when God's the one that's fixing things. Can you say amen? That's the focus of, of strong faith. Strong faith says, praise God. I'm persuaded that even though it looks impossible, I say with God all things are possible. And I say, because I'm saying it with my heart and my mouth, it's done. That makes it possible to me. Okay, let's conclude this with our conclusion. This developing strong faith doesn't just happen. It happens on purpose. Just like building muscle doesn't just happen. It happens because you have the right diet and exercise. And that's how we build muscle and physical strength. We don't learn things and get intellectually strong by sitting and doing nothing. You get intellectually strong by doing what? Studying. Exercising your brain. Feeding it the right information. So we got to do it. And then when we're challenged, we got to use our faith. And it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger by reason of use. As we talked about last week. Our senses are being exercised to discern what's good and what's evil. But look at Psalm 34 verse 19. Just to give us an example. As we close. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Stop right there just for a moment. This individual was sick in his body. And he was at a meeting where others were being healed. And he went to the minister. And the minister said to him. Would you want me to pray for your healing? And he said, nope. I just, don't you just love it when the minister's challenged right at the altar? It's usually the altar or the door. One, one or the other. He said, I'm here to tell you that many are the afflictions of the righteous. I know my Bible. I don't want you to pray for me because I'm afflicted. Because I'm righteous. So I have to bear the affliction. And the preacher said to him, oh, say that verse again. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And he said, and? And the guy just stood there. And what? What do you mean, and what? What's the rest of the verse say? Uh, hmm, I don't know. But, the Lord delivers him out of them all. You talk about the right diet. See, if we get fed the wrong thing, we're not going to have the right kind of faith. He should have been focusing on the latter part of the verse. Yes, you'll be afflicted, but the Lord delivers me and you out of all of them, not half of them. So let's close. This is what he should have thought. This is what he should have heard. You can't develop strong faith if you're hearing the wrong message. Because you won't act out your faith. You'll act out something that's wrong. You'll embrace something like an affliction and just say, I'm suffering for the Lord. And that is not what the Bible teaches. So look at in the book of Genesis chapter 17. This is what the man should have heard. And this is what we need to hear with regard to life, marriage, raising children, finances, health, uh, giving, everything. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed 
after thee, notice the expression thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And you'll get people saying, well, that's God's promise to Abraham for him and his seed, right? To be a God to them, to bless him, and etc. Well, look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. This is what this man should have heard, other than the latter part of that verse. If you be Christ's, are you Christ's? Are you Christ's? I mean, really, are you him? You, are you his? You belong to him? He's your savior. He's your redeemer. Then you're Abraham's what? His what? Genesis 17, 7 just said, I'll be a God to thee. Then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to. To the promise. What did God promise Abraham? You're an heir to it. Just let's close with this last verse. Can I have this last verse? Luke's gospel. 13. Verse 16. Do you remember the 